Good morning, and welcome to the Know and Do podcast. I am so excited to get started on this new pillar of the Know and Do project. I have gotten a few requests from listeners and from followers of the Facebook page that they would like to hear some of the conversion stories or the ways in which people choose to do what they know in their own personal lives. This pillar or this project will interview regular old people just like you and me and give us opportunities to share our experiences of faith and hope as we apply into our lives those things that we know, as we share the things that we are doing and practicing in our lives to bring us closer to Jesus Christ. This first interview is with a man named Kelly Bursch. And Kelly, like me, is an example of someone who is striving to do what he knows. He is a child of God who is working one day at a time to do those things that he feels that God is leading him to do. Now, before we get into this interview, I'd like to invite each of you to take a minute to subscribe to the Know and Do podcast and to run over to Facebook and like the Know and Do Facebook page. Soon we will be starting a new group called The Knowers and Doers, wherein we can discuss openly some of the things that we are each doing in our lives to practice doing what we know. Now, on to this enjoyable interview with Kelly Bursch. So, Kelly, thanks for joining me on this, our first How I Do What I Know interview. I'm really excited to get this going and and experience this with a bunch of people who are much like myself, just people who are trying to do the best we can following the Lord and putting into practice those things we know. Why don't you take a couple of minutes, Kelly, and tell us a little bit about yourself. This might take more than a couple of minutes. That's fine. Go at it. I was I was raised in Great Falls, Montana, um, raised Methodist, joined the Catholic Church when I was 20, got married, then got separated, then got divorced. You know, I remember talking to a priest after that. I met this priest as he was coming through. We talked, which is kind of neat. And I told him I, I needed to, you know, think about, because I was divorced, thinking about an annulment in the church because you can't get married again for the Catholic Church. And and he said, I think maybe you should wait on that and see what you're going to do religiously if you're going to stay with the Catholic Church, which is, was weird coming from a, a priest. Really nice guy. And he was practical. And he, I think he was looking at me and saying, are you going to stay with it or not? I don't know. Anyway, then I met my present wife. We got married. She had three kids, and a couple of years after that, she decided, she was a LDS, but she was less active, and she decided the kids needed something. She wanted to go back to church because they, the kids needed the church. I took her to Catholic Mass a couple of times, which was confusing for her and the kids, understandably, and I went to the LDS church a couple of times, and that was not confusing for me at all. It was actually very neat. But I still wasn't intending to join the church, but I took 
the lessons, I had the, the elders come over so that I could understand her religion so we wouldn't fight over it. I, I just wanted a little better understanding. I didn't want arguments over religion. Right. And uh, they taught me the lessons, and I I didn't really pay a lot of attention. I They asked questions. I didn't answer any of the questions. I didn't do any reading. Um, which, from my perspective, was, well, I don't know why I need to do that, because I'm not going to join the church anyway. And just before the last lesson, my wife asked a friend of hers, who had been her bishop when she was baptized, and he lived just down the street from us. He was the, this is in Great Falls, Montana. He was the uh, first counselor in the state presidency. And he came over and sat in on the last discussion and convinced me to take them over again. The man's amazing. Anyway, I would take the discussions. Uh, we were taking him, and he knew the questions I had, and he would ask them for me. The oh, Lord was really, the Spirit was strong. Yeah, it was really kind of, he'd look at me and say, oh, you're you're wondering this. And then the missionaries would answer the question for me, and he would expound. And come the third discussion, he said to me right at the end of the discussion, I know you know this is true. And Wanting to put him off, I said, well, I, I feel it. It probably could be, but I haven't prayed about it, and I probably need to do that. Uh, and honestly, I was trying to put him off. And he said, that's a really good idea. And he folded his arms and bowed his head. And the missionaries did the same thing. It never occurred to me I could, I could pray right there. I mean, I really wasn't intending to. I was intending to put him off. And so I... I bowed my head and I tried to pray and I was sitting on the couch trying to get on my knees and I couldn't do it. My wife said she watched me. felt to me like it was hours. Probably wasn't more than a couple of minutes. But I would get up to the edge of the couch and then just fall back on the couch. And You know, when you read Joseph's testimony, he talks about the power from the unseen world. Uh, and I know that that was going on in me. We, we were in a battle. And I finally got down on my knees, and I just asked the Lord if this was true. I, I said, I just have to know if this is true. And he answered me with a very strong burning in the breast and just a knowledge, not a feeling, but a knowledge that what they've been telling me was true. They had taught me the truth. And I stood up, and I said, I have to be baptized. Because if this is true... Which choice do I have? And my wife oh. could have knocked her over a little better. So this was on a Sunday evening, and the missionaries, of course, were, well, wait a minute, you got three more discussions you, ha or you have to take. Brian File was the first counselor in the presidency there. He said, when is good for you? And we got to look, and I said, well, Wednesday would work for me. Wednesday evening would be great. <laughs> and the missionaries said, you got three more discussions taken after have an interview. And Brian being the person you see says, well, let's see. We have family who meet me at my house tomorrow. We'll have you guys over. You can teach two discussions to him, Ben. That's Monday night. Tuesday night, you can come over here and teach the final discussion and then do the interview. And then Wednesday, you be baptized. Any problem with that? And they said, well, no, I guess that'll work. And so that's what we did. And I was baptized, and, and it turned out, my wife reminded me as we were finishing setting this up, that Wednesday was my 30th birthday. 
Oh, wow. So it was a great birthday present for me. I was baptized on my 30th birthday. That was well, 32 cool. years ago. Wow. And the one other kicker in this is the missionaries came to, there was a trainer and a, a new missionary. This is his first area. And he got two more trainers transferred out. So I went through three trainers, but he stayed with me the whole thing. Taught me twice. And then he baptized me on Wednesday and transferred out on Thursday. Oh, wow. He was gone. But I had him baptize me. So here was this one missionary who was new at it and had been through the discussions with me twice in that time and transferred out, and he was gone a new area the day after I was baptized. It was right, wow. quite unique. Yeah, it, it just, just all sorts of neat things. And I spent the last 32 years still trying to learn more about the gospel and and learn to live it, and I'm still working on that. I think that it's a lifelong process to put into practice those things that we learn on a day-to-day basis. So what are some of the things that this journey with the gospel has taken you? What are some of the things you've done, like responsibilities, callings, positions? Well, let's see. My first calling in church was uh, Weeblow's leader. Oh, with and, the Cub Scouts, huh? Yep. And that was in May. I baptized in May. And in November, they called me a scoutmaster. And then two years after I was baptized, in end of April, they had a state conference, and they split the wards and created a new ward, made three out of two, and called me to be the second counselor in the bishopric. Wow, that's that's a big calling in a quick in a short short amount of time. Yeah, and I to this day feel like I did a terrible job, and I'm the only one that will say that. I, I don't know if I did a terrible job, but I could have done better. And I guess we all always can, right? Just, so as you, as you look back at that experience, what is one thing that as you look back that you think, wow, if I knew then what I know now, I would have done this this way instead of that way i would have spent more time on my knees absolutely and i think that's probably the biggest thing i would have done is prayed more and fasted more yeah i can say that uh i wish i'd have followed through on a few things better uh spent more time studying the handbook but you know we had a week from the time we were called to get together enough people in the ward so it would function the next sunday we spent, I used to come home from work, eat a quick dinner, change into my suit. We would go make visits for, make some callings, talk to people, get to know some of the new mem- the members that we hadn't met. Uh, and then we'd go back to the church and we would meet, make decisions until about midnight. I'd go home and go to bed, get up and go to work the next day. And do it all over again. I was getting, I don't know, four or five hours of sleep a night. And wow. I was never tired. I was never tired. That's amazing. There's some strengthening that happened in that calling, obviously. Yes. Uh, and I can't do that now. And I couldn't, I've never been able to do that. You know, the Lord calls you and he supports you as you strive to do his call. And I can't help but think that he knew the experience that I had, how 
how much learning I had to do. And maybe he called me to that calling more for me than for the ward. I, I don't know. I learned a lot. Got over my fear of public speaking. My wife often says whenever she gets a, a new calling is, so what do I need to learn from this? And she always looks at it as, this isn't about me being righteous. It isn't about me being this great leader or whatever. This is about the Lord needs me to learn something. So what do I need to learn from this? So I think your take on, you know, maybe this calling was more for me than it was for others as something that could be a real possibility. Yeah, and not that I probably didn't have, I'm sure you had good reasons, and I'm sure that I had a lot to offer for what we were doing. I, I did a lot, and I got to know people, and, and actually I learned, I was over primary, I got to learn a lot about primary. Uh, you know, something that I, having joined the church when I was 30, didn't have an understanding of primary or seminary or any of those things. And because I was in the position I was in, I got to learn a lot about a lot of that. So that was that was good for me. But it also helped me in getting along with the members. I remember getting to know, I, I could look out in the congregation from the stand and know the first names of everybody I saw. And, and I can't do that now. Again, that's something else the Lord did for me at that time, for that calling. Uh, I remembered people's names. And my wife would tell you, I don't remember names. But I did that. Right. Since then, I've been, uh, I remember I went back to college and got my electronics degree. And, and while I was in college, I was the ward clerk. Let's see. I've been ward mission leader. I've been high priest group leader. I've been clerk several times, primary teacher. And actually, of all of my callings, I think the last stint in primary, I spent the last, the last three years, I was, uh, I taught uh, Sunday school to 16 and 17 year olds. But before that, I spent six years teaching primary to the uh, 11 year olds turning 12 and enjoyed every second of it and was sad when I was released. Before I did that, I would have said that my favorite calling was board clerk. But when I did that, my favorite calling to this day is now that primary calling I had. It was, and the Lord blessed me in that too. So, you know, I don't know if it was my favorite calling, but it was the hinge calling in my life was teaching 11-year-olds turning 12 in primary. I had my own conversion during that time where I always had a testimony. I always did these things, but my conversion happened in a primary setting, singing a primary song with 11-year-old boys. That's a, a really cool thing to share. I appreciate that. Well, they're neat kids. I actually got the the privilege then of teaching some of them again when I was teaching the 16 and 17 year olds because they came around and watched some of them on missions. There's a few of them are just coming back from missions now. It was fun. So, Kelly, you have a couple of scripture passages or verses of scripture that uh, mean a lot to you that help motivate you to do those things that you you know. You know, it's funny because my my favorite scripture changes as time goes by, and I think it's because I change. And a scripture that was meaningful to me two or three years ago, it's just not as meaningful. It doesn't grab me the way it used to. Right now, the one that grabs me the most is some passages in Romans 7, starting about verse 14. 
For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not, but what I would, that I do not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent in the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I hope you see the gist there is, I know things I want to do and things I don't want to do, and I end up doing the opposite. And I work so hard at it. Sometimes I feel like a failure. I just actually have a revelation today that perfection is not going to happen in this life, period. And there's no chance of it at all. It's not possible for me to be perfect. It's not possible for me to overcome all of my shortcomings. I will be a sinner until the day I die in some way or another, as will you and everyone else on this earth. If not for Jesus Christ, I would not, could not possibly get even close to heaven. Nobody could. President Monson could not. I'm not putting him down when I say that. I hope no, you understand. absolutely. I understand completely. But... Christ has made up for all these things. What I've learned, and I think this has just got, I have to stop worrying about this. I mean, I still need to work on things. I have to stop worrying about it. Give it over to the Lord because he's already taken care of it. It's yeah. done. Yeah, isn't that such a freeing discovery? A freeing bit of knowledge that I'm not perfect. And I won't be, but I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm, you know, I'm pressing forward one day at a time, trying to do a little bit better today than I did yesterday and a little bit better tomorrow than I did today. But I'm going to fall on my face every once in a while. But the Lord has already picked me up and carried me to the finish line as long as I have allowed him to do that. And I just need to continue to make that decision to allow him to do that. It's so freeing for me. We sang a hymn yesterday in church. Like the Savior speaking to everyone. So you're singing it from first person of the Savior. Is it reverently and meekly now? Yes. Yeah. I love that hymn. It really struck me. Last Sunday, in the last verse, he says, uh, in the last couple of lines, Be obedient, I implore, prayerful, watchful evermore, and be constant unto me. That thy Savior I may be. And it teaches me this, really grabbed me that the only way he can not be my Savior is if I don't let him be. He's done the job. It's already there. I just need to accept it. I need to let what he's done have effect on me. I'm the only one that can stand in the way and stop it. No one else can. Satan can't stop it. Only I can stop it. That's just what's been on, that's the type of thing that's been on my mind for the last few weeks is my weaknesses and my strengths and how the Lord shores me up. But I'm just starting to realize that I have to stop working on necessarily getting over them as much as I need to work on accepting that the Lord has already conquered this 
and I need to just accept him, and I can, he can get me over it. I can't get over it myself. He can get me over it. Thank you for sharing that. That's one of my most cherished things that I've learned in my life. It's something that I really struggled with for really all my life until, like I said, that moment in primary with the 11-year-old boys singing the song Gethsemane. And uh, suddenly I had this realization of the atonement is real, and it's for me. It's not just for everybody else that I think looks perfect and I think is perfect. It's for me, and Jesus Christ did it for me as just as well as he did for everybody else. Oh, he did it for us, and he was happy to. You want to know my Go favorite ahead. color, ahead. too. <laughs> yes, I do. I want to know your favorite color. That's my weird stick. <laughs> That's funny. I like blues, like a, a royal blue. Mm-hmm. But I think my favorite color is uh, like an autumn gold, a yellow. It's an autumn gold. Oh, wow. That, yeah. that was really That's so, a beautiful color. Matter of fact, my office that I'm sitting in now is not done painted, but it's got yellow walls, and I have a pale yellow to put on the ceiling as well. I like nice. the brightness of it. Is there any? Any symbolism in your mind behind that color or any reason behind it just being a bright, happy, light color that you're drawn to that color? I think it's just a happy color. I like being happy. To me, it's bright (laughs) and happy. So, yeah, that's what I like about it. Very cool. So is there anything else that you feel like you want to share with me and with the know and do audience at this point? Boy, I don't know. I really enjoy reading yours. Your these know and do they bring things to mind. I, I prayed about this interview because I I'm always worried that I'm going to do something for my sake that I might get praised instead of for the Lord's sake. And I don't want that to happen. I don't ever want to do that. I don't want to appear to be trying to assert what he does. I know that we need to do everything in our life for for the glory of the Lord, for his praise. He should receive all the praise and honor, not us. And that's hard sometimes. And any place where I'm putting myself out to talk about myself, what I've done, I worry that I might brag and boast of myself instead of him. Still working on that, but I want to be careful for people to know that, you know, I talked about how I became a bishop's counselor in very short order, and I did all these things, but it wasn't me. It wasn't anything I did. There was no nothing in me that made me perfect for that. The Lord had his plans for me, and it was all for him and the way I could learn to serve him. I, I really believe that. I, it wasn't me that did that. And honestly, that's one of my big internal debates in doing this know and do thing. I struggle sometimes going, am I just putting myself out there in this process? But I feel that I have been drawn to do this to bring some light into 
the the mess that social media is. And as I've done that, I felt drawn and guided and prompted to do additional things like these interviews and the podcast. And it is a real struggle because sometimes I go, wow, what I wrote there was really cool. And then I get slapped down. I'm grateful that the Lord has a short uh, leash on me and slaps me down pretty quick when I start getting pumped up because <laughs> I uh, I need that. It is for the Lord, and it's nothing that I've done or will do that merits any blessing that I get. It's, uh, it's all Him. I have Thanks to say that, that as I read your know-and-do posts and so on, in reading yours, I had never read anything where I said, Wow, that Justin's really great. It's always been, wow, I never thought about the Lord that way. And wow, that really brings this to heart. But it always draws me more to the Lord. So I I want you to know that, for me anyway, you appear more to be the vehicle than the author of these things. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. One of my goals is to be the pencil. All I am is a pencil, and the Lord can use me to do what he needs with me, and that's my my goal is to allow him to do that. Thank you for saying that, by the way. That that means a lot to me. Is there any other closing remarks, any testimony that you want to, to give before we end this conversation? Hmm. I do feel that to testify, the things that I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ did indeed suffer and die for me, for all of us, for everyone. Not everyone collectively, but each person individually. I know that he knows me, and he knows you, and he knows everyone by name, by sight. The way I could, when I was a bishop's counselor, look out in our congregation and Remember the names of the faces. He has the ability with everyone. He knows the people. He knows each one of us. And he loves us. I know that Heavenly Father is the author of this plan, and he loves us very much. We're his children. And he really, really wants us to succeed. And that's why he sent Christ. That's why he came up with this plan. We have so much to gain and so much to lose. If we just follow a plan, if we just follow Christ and do our best, we don't have to do everything right. We just need to do our best. That he, not he will, but he already has. Christ already has made up the difference. It's done. It's there. And if we don't accept the gift that he offers, then we've wasted his time. We've wasted his suffering. We've caused that part of it to be for naught. And I know that nobody is beyond redemption. And that helps me to know that. And I don't think I've ever been really evil, but it helps me to know that he loves me enough that if he can if he can forgive some people who have done worse than I have, he can certainly forgive me. And I can certainly get over it. And I know that this church is here, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is here on this earth because it's the vehicle the Lord is using 
for our salvation. It's part of the plan. And it's the only way, by following your precepts, is the only way to really get there. That's my testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What else can I say but amen? Thank you, Kelly. This has been an enjoyable process to interview, to catch up a little bit, and to hear your story, your story of faith and hope, and your efforts as you strive to apply the teachings and gospel of Jesus Christ into your life, doing what you know. It has probably been close to 10 years since Kelly and I last really interacted, but it is really good to get caught up with him. I really enjoy this process, and I'm looking forward to doing more of these interviews, more of these conversations with people just like you and me who are striving to put into practice the gospel of Jesus Christ into our lives, knowing that we can never be perfect in this life, but knowing that in Christ's perfection we are made whole. And that is my testimony. Now, once again, I invite everybody to take a few minutes and subscribe to and review this podcast. Share it with your friends and family if you find this of help to you. Share it either through Facebook, through email, through word of mouth, whatever it may be. And then run over to the Facebook page and like the Know and Do Facebook page. Keep your eyes open for when we open up the Facebook group, the Knowers and Doers. And we will all be able to lean on each other and gain and garner strength from each other as we each strive to apply the living, the teaching, and the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own lives as we live and share it with each other. Um, I look forward to getting to know more of you listeners as we do interviews like this. If you do have and feel the need to share your um, experiences of faith and hope as they apply to the teachings of Jesus Christ with others, please email me at knowanddopodcasts at gmail.com and we can set up a discussion just like this and and give you the opportunity to share your experiences of faith and hope and your testimony of Jesus Christ and His influence in your life and salvation. As always, my experience is that the key to peace and happiness in life is knowing Jesus Christ and doing as He teaches. I wish I was more of a man Have you ever felt that way? And if I had to tell you the truth I'm afraid I'd have to say That after all I've done and failed to do I feel like less than I was meant to be And what if I could fix myself Maybe then I could get free I could try to be somebody else Who's much better off than me but I need to remember this That is when I'm at my weakest I can clearly see He made the lame walk and the dumb talk And he opened
them like